I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Having a 37-year-old in Cincinnati. And all the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up to the layup. Oh, blocked by James. Episode 64 of the DNC podcast, and the first episode of season two. We're back. We're super excited. I know there was a kind of a long layoff. I mean, we're already over halfway through the month here, but um, we just obviously wanted to prepare and make sure that. We kicked off the season right, and we're going to do something a little bit different today. Me and Dustin were just kind of collaborating, and we just figured, hey, let's let's do like a water cooler talk episode, and let's just kind of flow, and no agenda, no structure, and um, you know, so we hope you guys enjoy it. But Dust, how was uh, how was your New Year's, man? How was how's the start of this twenty twenty one year been for you? I feel like it's just kind of been a blend of years, man. Like I almost don't even feel like we're in twenty twenty one. I still feel like we're in twenty twenty. Oh, bro, there's been no change, but. The sports world the last five weeks has been absolute batty. Like, it was nice having a little break, a little extra time with the family, but then there was so much prime content and so much opportunity just to blast athletes. I mean, you have so much. the Kyrie Irving saga where apparently a 500K a game isn't enough to play basketball um, because now he's the uh, the world savior and he's trying to change it, the universe. And then you have. Is this. Yeah. Is this one of the worst, like, that you can remember? Is this one of the worst, I don't even know what to call it, like, just complete dumpster fires from, like, a superstar athlete, like, in sports history? I don't think there's ever been a time in the world where the individual athlete has been more overvalued. Like, the amount of athletes, like, like the amount of power athletes right. has is crazy. Like, I get being pro athlete and, you know, as, like, a talent – um, you have like certain abilities when you're the best at what you do, but I feel like we've created a, a scenario where now we're just crossing lines. Like there's no accountability for anything. I understand certain scenarios where if an organization has failed you for multiple years, but like the Jane, James Harden situation is so nutty to me because when you look at it, Houston's done everything. Like maybe he's pissed about the Daryl Morey thing, but it's like, yo, you wanted Dwight Howard. We got you him. You couldn't win. We got you Chris Paul. You couldn't win. We got you, your boy, Russell Westbrook. You couldn't win. Like, the only thing that was consistent with Houston Rockets is... And all the good role players they had. I mean, they had... they had uh, Eric Gordon, uh, P.J. Eric Tucker. Gordon. I mean, like, it's not like it was just, oh, hey, we got you one other star. It was like, no, like, we built it. And Mike D'Antoni's a great head coach. Like, he's not... I don't think he's, like, an all-time top five guy, but it's not like Mike D'Antoni's a scrub. Like, he's been a very successful head coach in the NBA. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Like, what were, what was Houston supposed to do? Like, you guys ran into Golden State, and you probably weren't going to get beat Golden State no matter what where you went. But there's been so many organizations when we've seen, like, even the Cavs back when they had LeBron, when they could have traded for Amari Stoudemire, and they went cheap, they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. LeBron still stayed there. Like, for all the hate LeBron's got over the, what, the last 20 years, the crazy thing about LeBron, and we were talking about this, I think, a few days ago, is like, he never forced his way out of a situation. He went to Miami, free agent. Went back to Cleveland, free agent. Went back to LA, free agent. The other crazy thing when you look at the whole LeBron scenario is he's never really gone to the front runner besides Miami, but they hadn't won yet. Like 
everyone acts like he's just been chasing rings, but it's like, yeah, you had a lot of talent in Miami. They hadn't won yet. You go back to Cleveland with Kyrie Irving, who had never won more than 25 games. You go then to the Lakers, who were an abysmal franchise at the time and didn't have Anthony Davis. It's not Kevin Durant to the Golden State Warriors. And this is where I want to talk about a little bit about right. Brady because it's like huge offseason. Brady goes to Tampa Bay, and all you hear the whole offseason is, oh, well, he has – you know, Mike Evans, they have Gronk now, they have Chris Godwin. Yeah, so did Jameis Winston, and he's the first 30 for 30 athlete, and they're going to make an ESPN special because 30 picks, 30 touchdowns. But he goes to a Tampa team that hasn't won a playoff game in 18 years and year one NFC championship game. The whole story about Brady for 15 years was he plays in the AFC, weak division. It's the Colts, it's the Steelers, it's the Ravens, no competition. He goes to the deeper division in football who – now that Brady's there, all of a sudden, what they have a down year. You have a seven and nine NFC East. You have an eight and eight Bears team make the playoffs. But what does Brady do? NFC Championship. Aaron Rodgers. This is big for Rodgers because Rodgers, for so long, it's been oh well, you know he has more arm talent than Brady. He's more of the generational talent. Brady just had more around him. You got Devonte Adams. You got the new sexy coach Matt Lafleur. You got a home playoff game. You got the better, more consistent defense. Sunday's gonna be epic, bro. No, I when you when you think about Tom's career, I mean I, I look at it as, you know, a lot of people have talked about Aaron being this this transcendent talent, but he has one ring and he's only been to one Super Bowl. And what's interesting to me is that when you actually go collectively look at both their careers and you look at the talent around them, I mean you really you can't make an argument that that Aaron's had less talent than Tom. In fact, I think you can make the argument and a and a pretty strong one that Aaron's had more talent and, you know, I think it's crazy to me. And then obviously you could of course throw in the whole Bill Belichick factor, of course, for Tom. Um, but again, he's a defensive coach. So um, Aaron's, Aaron's had some pretty good defenses in green Bay, but you know, when I, when I think back over the course of, of just both of their careers, but more so over the course of really, you know, the NFL and quarterbacks and how we, how we gauge them and rank them all time. You know, I think there's a huge gap between a guy that's very, very talented, like an Aaron Rodgers, and someone who is just pure greatness, and that's Tom Brady. Because the fact he's – I mean, I think he solidified it a long time ago. But there's a lot of people because they need headlines, they need stories to talk about on their shows. They create this narrative about Tom or – I mean, Max Kellerman said it for about five years that Tom Brady was falling off a cliff. And I'm like, man, that must be – a pretty pretty big cliff that he fell off of because he's not he hasn't hit the bottom yet. And so when I look at Tom, it doesn't matter where he goes. I mean, obviously this is only his second team, but you could think about 20 years in New England, the the variety of team that teams that he played on and and the, just the different nucleus of talent that he had around him. They always won. And again, people are always going to look for the excuse with like you mentioned played in the NFC or AFC East, played in the AFC, right? Like always had a first round buy, like what, whatever the excuse is, people will find it. But the reality is, is that greatness is greatness and it doesn't matter what the situation is because they're going to rise above it and they're going to be successful. I mean, this is the most Tom Brady-esque season possible because his whole career started out with the odds against him. I mean, being picked 199 in the 2000 draft, you know, if you guys haven't watched the Brady Six documentary, it's phenomenal. It's all the the six quarterbacks taken before Tom, and um, and and it's just it's it's really incredible to not just see what he's become 
from being a sixth round pick. But the fact of the matter is, is that a 2020 season like this, where there's no off, really no off season, no preseason, brand new city, brand new offense after 20 years, and they win 11 games, and he's 43. It's not like Tom is in his prime. He's 43 years old, and you insert him into this team that won seven games last year. And honestly, I mean, I said this last night to you, is that Tampa easily could have won 12, 13 games this year. And, you know, they lost to the Bears, which was like a weird Thursday night game, I think. But there was a couple games that they like get away from him. So, but even at the bare minimum, you win 11 games with a 43-year-old quarterback. And to be honest, Bruce Arians was getting in the way the majority of the season. And I think he finally realized, hey, like this guy's better than me. Like he knows more than me. So I'm just going to kind of like, I'm going to, I'm going to insert things here and there, but like Tom, go ahead and take the rent. And just to see last night, I mean, I told you a stat, I think in the past teams that had been swept by another team in a, in the regular season, the record against was like 21 and five. So like, again, the odds were against Tom and it's just, it's just, it doesn't matter. Like whenever the odds are against him he seems to rise above it. So it's really incredible. I'm super pumped for this, this NFC championship. Um, Dust, we're, we're pretty close. I mean, we're two games away from our prediction um, because we said we picked chiefs bucks for the super bowl. So what are your thoughts on the AFC side? What a crazy game with Cleveland, huh? Like if you're a Browns fan, you have to be pissed. I realize you guys made the playoffs and you beat Pittsburgh last week and nobody was giving you credit for that. But to be on an emotional high from that week, to beat Pittsburgh the way you did, like you completely dominated that game. That was a one-sided game without your head coach. You were missing your two starting cornerbacks. And then to be in the situation where you were versus Chiefs this week and you have that play right before halftime kind of go against you where they fumbled out of the end zone and by roll was a touchback, but then there also was, you know, a helmet to helmet play. The guy lived with his helmet, so there could have been a penalty there. So then at that point, you're it's a one score game. So going into halftime, if you're a Cleveland fan, like, let's be honest, you probably thought you're out of the game. You're probably like, we had a shot to get back close, game's over, roll the tape, second half, they get back to what they do. They're running the ball well. Mahomes gets knocked out on probably the weirdest concussion type play I've ever seen because I FaceTime you during the game and I'm like it didn't really look like he got hit that hard or his head flung back like the Lamar play looked pretty bad you know but this play I was like I was kind of shocked he looked so dizzy still whenever a quarterback goes out I'm like are they really going to be able to keep a franchise quarterback out of a playoff game and they did this is a new emphasis on the NFL he didn't come back so then Cleveland scores and you have the ball on your 20 Eight minutes left, down by six. You have to win that game. Like, the Chiefs have some studs on the defensive side of the ball. Tyron Matthew, great ball hawk. Chris Jones, great D-tackle. But their D's not loaded, right? You give the ball to Nick Chubb, you win that game. And then to have Chad Hinney, what, the second best quarterback in Michigan history now behind Tom Brady, on a 17-yard scamper showing Lamar how to get a first down in the playoffs? Like, what was that? <laughs> like, I get you probably don't run incredible. like quarterback spy there because you're not expecting Chad to run, but come on. I mean, I guess it's Henny time in Tennessee. Quarterback controversy or what? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, that just to be able to step in in that moment and actually, so that was his first playoff appearance in his entire career. 
Because he's, you know, he's been largely a backup. I mean, he started a little he played bit. played in Miami for Obviously, a he got bit. drafted by the – yeah, he got drafted by the Dolphins, was a starter there. And then I think after that, he went to Jacksonville. And I think he was a starter for like a couple years before Blaine Gabbert got there. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's really just a crazy whirlwind of events that took place. I, I, I was, I'm curious because right before half, there was that controversial play where um, – there was a helmet-to-helmet hit, and the receiver for the Browns ended up dropping the ball like as he was lunging for the pylon. They have and to change they that rule. A touchback. They have to change that rule. They have to. That's what, that's just, that's what I was going to ask you. What are your thoughts sense. on that whole it's like rule? Any, any other place on the field, you fumble the ball, it goes out of bounds. The offense gets the ball like at that spot. And so it, it just doesn't make sense. Like If you want to penalize the team or something, like maybe – but to have it be a turnover on that it's side of the field, it just doesn't man, make sense. It's, it's one of the weirdest rules in football. It like it just it goes against everything else that every rule does. It it really doesn't make sense. And I realize it's been there, right. but I saw all these tweets from New England players um, where they were saying like apparently Bill tells you like don't dive at the end zone for that very reason. Like I was shocked at how many players actually came out and said like that's actually a really selfish play in football because you're trying to score on your own. It's not fourth down. You're gonna have the ball on the one inch line. Like don't do that. Really I never heard across really the lead so widely that like you're not supposed to do that. But I guess a lot of the coaches are really like we don't want to get a touchback in that situation. But it doesn't happen too often. I think it happened to Derek Carr last year. Um, but it's just, mm-hmm. yep. you, you feel for Cleveland in that situation, but at the same point, like they still had a chance to win the game. A lot of times you have a play like that and it's yeah, so no, crazy sure. and it defines a game, but for Mahomes to go out and then them get the ball back multiple times and not be able to score. I mean, the Browns is the Browns. Yeah. It, it becomes the excuse because it becomes that thing you can, you can kind of hang your hat on. Because you didn't step up as a team and and deliver and execute when you needed to, uh, I mean, I really felt like that game was was handed to the Browns on a silver platter. I mean, the best player in football goes out for a quarter, and you have a guy who's probably he hasn't taken snaps all season, comes into a playoff game, and uh, his first, albeit in. You guys still can't close the deal. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that. I mean, if you're, if I'm a, that was a very Cowboys esque thing to do, um, where you have like everything going your way, but you find a way to lose a game. That's like a very Dallas Cowboys esque type there, of thing. Is there any other coach besides Andy Reid, fourth and in inches throws a quick out? That's why like, I love him, man. That's I love the it. Definition of Andy Reid. The one thing I was happy about last night, and he's been getting a little bit more credit. And you mentioned, like, now that he's up there in age, and maybe his coaching um, window is is not as long as it once was. It feels like Andy Reid's finally getting the credit he deserves. And I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes, but to win that game with Chad Henney against that Cleveland roster, who let's be honest, Cleveland probably has a top five roster, like roster. Oh, one hundred percent. A pretty strong case that Cleveland's roster is better than the Chiefs roster. Now, maybe the top talent on the Chiefs is a little bit better when you look at like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, especially with like OBJ out. But that roster is is stacked mainly because they've been so bad the last eight years. They've had top five pick after top five pick after top five pick. (laughs) But that play call, I'm just like, 
I love it. It's so untraditional. It's so out of the box. It's so, I'm going to do what I do. And it's what I've done the last 25 years. And I think now because of what he's done, you look back at all the players he coached and you realize that was Andy Reid. Like we talked about it a few weeks ago and you went through like all the quarterbacks that Andy Reid has coached, whether it was Donovan McNabb or um, Nick Foles or Kevin Cobb. And he's one of the few coaches that consistently won every year 10 plus games without really truly having a franchise quarterback. Like he had a nice run with Donovan McNabb, but it wasn't as long as the normal quarterback coach run. And then there was a number of guys that fit in the box for a few years. You had Michael Vick, you had Nick Foles, you had Kevin Cobb, and they still they still won games. And right. then you get right. Alex Smith and you're you get really close to the championship game, and then you get Mahomes, and it's like, baby, you give you give Andy Reid a generational talent like that is game over. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, he really has, no matter really the quarterback, he's been successful. I mean, uh, I think it was it was last season, Matt Moore was the backup in Kansas City when when Mahomes went down with that knee injury for a couple weeks. And like they almost like didn't even skip a beat, you know? And Matt Moore is like a below average quarterback, I would say, in the NFL. So I mean, the job that he's done is is really remarkable over the course of a really long period of time. And look, we've said it. I mean, we talked about it on the show last season, but it's like we we are 100% aware of the talent that Patrick Mahomes is, but it literally cannot be dismissed the the impact that that Andy Reid has had on Mahomes and and just the way that he puts him in positions to be successful and allowed him to come along slowly without being thrust into the fire and, and, and to make the mistakes that most rookie quarterbacks make because Andy Reid's aware of that. And, um, you know, he kept it simple. He didn't make, you know, these, these elaborate progressions that he had to go through and things of that nature. And so, you know, I, I just look, Mahomes is great. There's no doubt. Like he deserves every bit of, of the accolades he's receiving. Um, but you cannot dismiss the fact that Andy Reid has been really just – I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation if you're Patrick Mahomes um, to go to Kansas City and be paired with Patrick Mahomes and those weapons. But it does – so there's news that that um, that came out, and this is like on the flip side for me because it's just – I just – I see franchises do stuff like this, and I go, that's exactly why you guys are bad, like historically. like So the Chargers hired a new head coach. Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator. Uh, he was formerly with the with the Rams. D- do teams never like? Do they not learn, Dustin? Like when they get when they get a franchise quarterback like Justin Herbert, who is I mean, it looks like he's going to be a top three, top two quarterback in the NFL. Like you know, look over the course of time. I'm not saying he is right now, but I mean, arguably had the best rookie season for a quarterback. Um, and and you and I talked about this. We're like, look, Anthony Lynn. I like it. I understand he was an quote unquote offensive mind, but he did a horrible job as a head coach. And maybe he's just a coordinator, and that's okay. Some guys are not built to be head coaches. But I, I just don't get it, man. Like you, you, you literally get this prized possession fall in your lap after you had a great run with Philip Rivers, who I think is is looked at in a negative light for some odd reason. Um, I think Phillip is, is a very underrated quarterback. Like historically you get this guy in Justin Herbert who comes in and takes the league by storm and you hire a defensive mind. 
The craziest part about this is he's been an NFL coach for three years. He was an outside linebackers coach for Chicago in 2017 to 2018. The outside linebackers coach for the Broncos last year. It's his first year as a defensive coordinator. And like how many coordinators have we seen in their first year do something different and be really successful? It also helps when you're running a defense that has Aaron Donald. Like you have talent on that Rams defense. You also have, in my opinion – the best offensive-minded football in Sean McVay. And so you have that aspect where you have a, a team that runs the ball really well. They're really good at time management and time possession. And so your defense isn't on the field as much. And so you're in a really good situation as a defensive coordinator being paired with the offensive mind of Sean McVay. And so, you know, normally for me, especially if I have a young quarterback, I'm getting a head coach that can maximize his potential. But if you're going to get a defensive guy, get me a guy that's proven it for a little bit. Like I get the new cool thing is hire this, this 35 to 42 year old head coach who is young and hip and he can relate with players and maybe he's good at social media. But to me, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. But there's been a lot of weird hirings this off season. And if you're the chargers to your point, Nobody, nobody thought Justin Herbert was going to be this good, maybe ever, especially as a rookie. Yeah, you could absolutely. make a case that he could be like the way he played this year. If he just has the normal, I'll give you the credit. Uptake, he's a top five quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I need to give you credit though, because you, I mean, you did pre-draft. You were like, look, I mean, there's there's question marks I have, but. I think this guy's going to be really good because you were talking about, Hey, like I would totally, I'd pose the question to you. And I said, like, would you give up X, Y, and Z to move up to get Herbert? And you're like a hundred percent. So, but I, I know you even then still were like, I've got question marks. I'm not saying, Hey, like this guy's going to be legit day one, but he's got all the intangibles. It's just a matter of like, Hey, can he put it together in the NFL? So I give you the I give you I thought, the definite I thought there was that, a biggest sure. floor and ceiling with him where when I saw Justin Herbert, I'm like, this guy's gonna be an absolute superstar, or he's out of the league in three years because in college he wasn't consistently accurate. But he's Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, but then you go to this Chargers <laughs> situation and you have you have so many weapons, bro. Like, what other position do you yeah. want to go to if you're like everybody looks at the Chargers and says this team should have 10, 11 wins? Like the last five years. Like it's such uh, yeah, a good 100%. situation. My only thought with this hiring is you look at their team, and besides Justin Herbert, I mean, that's what's so crazy about the Chargers. They have so much talent offensively, but then defensively, they have a bunch as well. So you have a great D-line there, young linebacking core, good young secondary with some veterans at corner. And so it's a really stacked roster. I mean, it's probably a top five roster in football. When you look at it, the only kind of yeah, weakness is yeah, the offensive definitely. line. But you have a high draft pick yet again as a Chargers fan. And so yep. it's interesting. I also – I think the one coaching hire that I can't wrap my head around 100% is Jacksonville. And I, I love Irvin Meyer. I'm a Florida Gators fan. He did great. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's won, right? And I realize it's been the college yep. game. and In college. 100%. In college, 100%. Yeah. And so a lot of times college coaches – you know, they, they don't make the jump. And I think the, the Urban Meyer situation is a little bit different where nothing he ran at Florida or Ohio State is going to work in the NFL long term. Like maybe you could have a Chip Kelly year, right. like his first year with the Eagles, and you surprise some people, but he's going to have to get a great staff around him. I'm sure he, I'm sure he will. But 
the health thing for me is really weird because I don't 100% know what's going on because he coached up Florida and as soon as they kind of weren't playing as well and, and Nick Saban started recruiting well and the SEC got a little bit more dominant because it was really, really top heavy when Florida won. You get Saban, um, who used to coach at LSU. Oh, man, it's going to kill me. Um, he's like chew grass. Oh, the Mad Hatter. Um, Les, What's Miles. His? Les, Les Miles. Miles. Like, Les, Les Miles. Les Miles recruiting well. Like the SEC was getting a little bit better. He took a leave of absence. Then Ohio State falls on your lap. Like to go to Florida to Ohio State, they win a natty. Then he then he retires, and then now you get Jacksonville Jaguar, your hometown, Trevor Lawrence, eleven draft picks, eighty in cap space. Like it's the dream job. But yeah, how long sure. are you going to coach? Like if they would have hired him as a consultant general manager, I would have loved that because he recruits really well. He's probably a good evaluator of talent. He does college football pregame show. He's around college football players. He knows who's coming out for the draft this year, but. It was a really interesting head coaching hire because there was other college head coaches I probably would have gone for before Urban Meyer if I really wanted to make that type of splash. Yeah, no, you you said something interesting to me because you know to elaborate on the the him being hired as a GM or some sort of a consultant type level position, um, like let him evaluate talent. So let him be the GM, and then let him maybe have a little bit more power and say in the organization because I mean historically the Jags have just been really poorly run. And so when I look at this hire, I mean, I, as soon as it happened, I, I sent it to you and I was like, like, I absolutely hate this move. And I think it sounds wild to hear that maybe come out of our mouths because of the brand that is Urban Meyer. But when you think about it, the, I mean, Nick Saban is probably going to go down as the greatest college football coach of all time. And he was average to below average as an NFL head coach. Now, I understand he was in Miami. They didn't, it's not like they just had the best squad and player personnel, but he was the thing about Saban. He also signed Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Yeah. That has to haunt, <laughs> that, that haunt I think he looks at Drew Brees now and he's like, if I would have signed Drew Brees, I probably would have won a chip in my head. Yeah. Like you probably I mean, would have. It possibly, years. right? Because, you know, but I think the thing about Saban that you have to respect is he's so self-aware of like what his strengths are. And he just knew he's like, look, I'm probably not, like, yeah, I could win in the NFL. Like, and he did, he did. I think, I think maybe his first year he won seven games. So it's not like they were like God awful, but he, I think realized, look, this is, I'm more tailored for the college game. I'm going to go to the SEC. I'm going to go to Alabama and I'm going to recruit because I know I can. And I've proven that meaning he won a national championship with LSU. So I just look at urban and I go, is this just, like, did you just decide this because I know he was asking for a lot of money. He was asking for like $12 million a year. I don't know what he ended up getting. I tried to look up the details of the contract. I didn't find anything. But was this a money thing? Was this, hey, like I'm getting up there in age. This is probably my one and only chance or opportunity to go to the NFL and see if what I do works there. Um, obviously, the motivation was Trevor Lawrence, right? Like you're, you're, you're going to be a head coach in the NFL for the first time with potentially the best quarterback prospect ever, or at least since Andrew Luck. So it's like, like, and you mentioned 80, 80 million cap space. Like there's, there's a lot of good free agents on the market this season, um, this off season. And so are, you know, being able to go acquire those guys and then, you know, to draft well, it's like, 
Jacksonville could potentially look a lot different um, this next year. But I, I don't understand it from the standpoint of, I think, you, like you said, you laid it out perfectly, which is just hire him as a GM. Like, let him do what he does best, which is recruit. Like, I don't, nobody ever regarded Urban Meyer as a great X's and O's guy. Like, that's never been his reputation. He's always been seen as a great recruiter, uh, maybe a great motivator, a great leader. But, I mean, people are already talking about his successor at Ohio State, Ryan Day. They're already saying this guy's going to be an NFL head coach in the next few years because of his ability from an offensive standpoint. And so it's just to me, I'm like, why not hire him to do what he's absolutely like been known for and great at, which is evaluating talent, you know, creating structure, uh, creating culture, which is what Jacksonville needs. And then hire a great head coach, like maybe hire Ryan Day or, you know, maybe hire a guy like Lincoln Riley or hire a guy like um, Joe Brady or Eric Bieniemy, like whatever. Hire one of those guys to be your head coach. So it, it's just a very surprising move to me, but also not because it's Jacksonville. And it, it seemed like it really, to be honest, it seemed like they wanted to make a splash and that's what they did. So I know we touched on it a little bit. We we spent a good amount of time on the Chiefs. The one game we didn't hit on was Baltimore uh, and Buffalo. So Bills Mafia, AFC Championship game. Did you see the video that went viral of their fans? Because you know how like, they're super famous. Their fans are yeah. famous for uh, during tailgating. They like to like do the jump the table off jump the, or whatever. Basically, yeah. the table jump. So some dude literally pulled out a red foldable table in the middle of an intersection and jumped on the table. It was totally like it was it was the epitome of what I would assume to think about the Bills Mafia man. The great fan base. Oh, I feel like I have to at some time go to a Bills game just like to check it off the bucket list. They're one of the best fan bases in football, but that game was wild, man. Um I know we've been harder on Lamar than probably like 90% of podcasters or sports media, but like, I don't want to bash on the guy. I don't. He seems like a super nice individual. He's super talented. Yeah. But can we get can we get off of the Lamar as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? Like, he's not. He's a hell of an athlete. <laughs> he honestly may be the best athlete in football. And he can do certain things well. But... I don't know, man. I just I don't see I don't see how people can watch him go through progressions and say he's a top ten quarterback. Like he's electrifying and he has some really good highlight plays. But the only thing we talk about from the game before versus Tennessee is was that the best run a quarterback's ever made in a playoff game? I don't care about the run you made in a playoff game. Yes, it was really really impressive, but when you didn't have that lane versus the Bills who. The biggest knock on the Bills this whole year has been their defense hasn't been that good. Sean McDerm- mm-hmm. McDermott's a great Very defensive coach. Historically, they've been a great defense. They haven't played that well this year. It's been Josh Allen. It's been Stephon Diggs. It's been Cole Beasley. It's been everything they've done offensively. You get in that situation, a close game, and you do nothing. Yeah, it's it, – it's- for me, when I think about the whole Lamar thing last year, I mean, we were getting so much flack early on, like before the season, because we were saying this stuff from the onslaught. And, you know, people were DMing in different, you know, threads and things like that. People were like, 
you're crazy, man. Like Lamar's Lamar's top five, maybe top two. Some people were even saying it was Patrick Mahomes and then Lamar Jackson. And I'm like, man, it's what's sad is that we live in a time where there's so much recency bias. There's so much what's the hot new thing. And I mean, even with Patrick Mahomes, like people still see him as the best quarterback in football right now. But like the hype you've noticed has died down over the last two seasons. Like people aren't talking about Patrick Mahomes every single time they get on camera, right? It's because now you're like, okay, you kind of expect it. You're like, we know he's great. He's going to go do his thing. And, and now you're looking for like the next big thing to talk about. And with Lamar, it was like, look, we've never denied that he's an incredible athlete, but that's not what quarterbacks do. Like it's not, there's a reason why there's positions in sports. Like those positions fill a role. Like they are to do a certain thing to help the team win, right? So like, you know, in the NBA, we were in this era now where like everybody's expecting centers to shoot a three. It's like, okay, that's not what they're built to do. And I'm not saying that there isn't like a, there hasn't been a transition from, you know, a more traditional center like a Shaq to a guy like Dwight Howard to then now we're looking at guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic. And it's like, okay, I know there's an evolution, but there's still an aspect of this is what a center does. And so when I look at when I look at the quarterback position, there's been an evolution. Like guys like Tom Brady, Eli Manning, and and Phillip Rivers, these guys that were more Peyton Manning, the statues, right? The quarterback position has evolved. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and and guys like uh even Matthew Stafford and you know, now, of course, Patrick Mahomes and then Carson Wentz. It's like the position has evolved, but people were wanting so desperately for Lamar Jackson to be the guy that's like, yeah, he's completely revolutionized the quarterback position. This is the way people are going to recruit quarterbacks. It's like, no, they're not. They're not because that's not what a quarterback is built to do. Like, yes, it's great. You can make some plays with your legs like Josh Allen has, like Aaron Rodgers has throughout the course of his career. But it's like at the end of the day, can you read a defense? Can you go through progressions? Can you process information quickly? Can you be accurate with the football? And can you command an offense? Like those are things you look for. And and the reality is, is like me and Dustin saw this way before it, most people at least wanted to admit um, that it's like he he can't. Like we saw it at Louisville. Like he was fun to watch. There's no doubt. But this guy is not an NFL starting quarterback. And I hope people finally realize that. And it's not even like I want it to be true. Like like you said, he's a great guy. Like he's a great young guy. He seems to have his head on right, head on his shoulders, good leader, like stays out of trouble. Like there's nothing that you can really knock him other than the fact that it's like it should be disrespectful to you as a quarterback that you're constantly every game, your side-by-side stats are with their opposing team's running back. When you sent me that, I almost died. It was like game comparison, Derrick Henry versus Lamar Jackson. I think I texted you back. I'm like, they couldn't put him next to Ryan Tannehill because although the Ravens won, Tannehill had betting passing numbers. I mean, that's just the truth. (laughs) I mean, we were watching the Buffalo game. It's first quarter, third and six, and they run a quarterback power. Like, it's not even an option to pass the ball. And that (laughs) should tell you all you need to know. When your head coach and offensive coordinator consistently 100%. on passing downs doesn't even give you a passing option, it's a tell. And then I spent about half of my Christmas break 
trying to talk myself into taking Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. And I'm kind of split. And I'm, I'm trying not to be like new bias guy. I think for me, the big, the hardest thing for me to evaluate with Patrick Mahomes is how much is Andy Reid. Because so much of what I see with Patrick Mahomes is the stuff I didn't like about Brett Favre. And what I mean by that is Brett Favre was so much yeah. flash guy, so much rah-rah guy, no-look pass, gunslinger mentality. And maybe it's because I've been a Patriots fan growing up and Brady was never really the gunslinger, right? He was 11-play drive, 14-play drive. And I think that's part of the reason where he was able to go to Tampa migrate to a new division, new climate, new scenery, and still do what he does because he's so good at managing the game. But the progression Josh Allen's made this year, it's unbelievable. Like there was people before this season saying Buffalo needs to move on from Josh Allen. And if it wasn't for the Packers drafting Jordan Love, which did some type of voodoo karma act for Aaron Rodgers, like the year he had this year is absolutely nutty. Like, now every team needs to draft a quarterback in the amazing. first round if their veteran quarterback's like kind of has a down year because apparently this is what happened. <laughs> but Josh Allen wins MVP. Like if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have this year, Josh Allen wins MVP. They've been so right. explosive. Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, their defense, which they've laid their hat down on the last three years, has been somewhat inconsistent. But he's looked so good. And he's so athletic too. Like the crazy thing is he yeah. has more 100-yard rushing games then Lamar has 300-yard passing games in a passing error. Like, he's a crazy athlete. Besides Lamar, he's probably the second – he's probably the best running quarterback in football. Like, they run him by the goal line, but he's such a threat yep. with his arm. Yep. It works. And then they get Stephon Diggs this offseason, and, what, they're 24 and 25 together, so you're going to have that pair for the next, what, seven, eight years. They've done a really good job signing veterans. The Bills look legit, and I think why – for Allen, it feels like this is going to stick no matter where he goes because McDermott's a defensive mind. Like, he's not playing for right. Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFur. He's playing for a defensive-minded head coach, but he's just so gifted. Um, it's, it's crazy to watch, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think we actually – I mean, we did 60-plus episodes last season – but I, I'm pretty sure at some point we were saying that if you flopped roles like with Mahomes and Josh Allen, like would there be a huge drop off um, in production or like the success that Kansas City's had? And, you know, it, I, I couldn't definitively say like, no, like because in my opinion, you know, look, when you look at. My the, here's going to be the thing in the next two to three years, maybe four or five. But when when Mahomes no longer has the weapons around him because they won't be able to keep everybody, and then depending on how long Andy Reid is there, I I just that's where I'm going to go. Okay, like that's where I'm going to evaluate Patrick Mahomes legitimately. To your point, and when I look at Josh Allen, I mean prior to getting Stephon Diggs, like. Most people couldn't really name anybody on the Bills' offensive roster. Like, I mean, Singletary, their running back, is just like a nobody guy. He's like a solid player. John Brown. Uh, I mean, they got Cole Beasley last year. But it's not like Josh Allen's had all this talent around him. And he is like, to your point, he has a defensive-minded head coach. So 
when I look at the two different situations, and again, I also want to play both sides. If Mahomes goes to Buffalo, I'm not saying that Buffalo is a bad team or that he wouldn't be successful, but I don't think you could make the argument that Buffalo is just drastically better with Mahomes. Like the Bills have been, like the last two years have been really, really good. Like a top five team in the NFL. And and Josh Allen, like they were doing that when Josh Allen was completing 58% of his balls. And so the thing is, is that to go from being a guy that was completing 58% of his balls to this year completing like 70% is just like, it's unbelievable the jump he's made. And so if he continues on that course, I'm not saying he has to put up the same numbers every year that he did this year. But like if he is the same guy, you know, and and progresses off of who he is this year, Josh Allen's going to be a top three quarterback in the NFL for the next decade. And I think Buffalo is going to be a real squad, man. Like I, it, they're not in a big market. So, you know, like they're in Buffalo, which is in New York, but like you don't really think of Buffalo in New York. You know what I mean? Like you, when you think of New York, you think of the Jets and you think of the Giants, you don't think of the Bills. So I just think it's been remarkable what he's done, what McDermott's done. And um, yeah, I think it was super wise to go out and, and give up a first for Stefan Diggs. Like obviously he's made a huge impact. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think when I look at when I look at the Bills, there's no reason why they can't be a contender in the AFC for the next five to seven years. Like, there's just no reason why they can't. So, I think Kansas said that a lot of people felt like Kansas City was just going to be like a dynasty. They're going to run away with everything for the next ten years because of Mahomes. But that we just talked about it. Like, they easily could have lost that game. What do you think is going to happen with 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 Philly, man? There's so many rumors. Like, obviously they fire Doug Peterson, um, which to me, obviously, is a desperate attempt to keep Wentz now. But, like, what's your thoughts on that whole situation, man? Because it's super dysfunctional to me. Yeah, I, I was telling you, I think the only way you fire your head coach is if you have a private conversation with Wentz and say, hey, we handled this about as poorly as you can handle a situation in all the sports. Like, the fact that you're benching Carson Wentz, but Jared Goff is still a starting quarterback, like, absolutely blows my mind. Can you can, like, <laughs> can you guys please get That's Sean funny, to face man. somebody? Like, Stafford, Matt Ryan, yes. somebody. But I think if you're the Eagles... Sean McVay would oh, love Carson Wentz. 100%. So, it's like, if you... I think you have to... You've had to have a conversation with Carson Wentz and said, hey, man, we want to keep you. And Carson, to me... Like he's getting so much flack because he doesn't want to have to complete with Jalen Hurts. I don't know. I've seen Jalen Hurts playing college football. And besides a really good system in Oklahoma, which every single quarterback plays really, really well in, he wasn't that great. Like he got benched for Tua. And uh, I watched Tua in Miami this year, and let's just say he'll probably be out of the league in two years. So that kind of talks about that that quarterback room at Alabama. <laughs> um, Mac, Mac Jones looks better than Tua ever looked, but Tua Mac Jones. Was, uh, was somehow – at 5'11", a generational talent, which I'll, I'll still never get. And I think Miami's really regretting not taking Justin Herbert, like really, really bad. But I think if you're the uh, Eagles, like Carson Wentz really good. Now, is he flawed? Yeah, he's flawed. But a lot of quarterbacks are really, really flawed. But just like what happened with kind of Brady early in this season with Tampa, where you could tell him and Arians were on the same page, that's what seemed to me to be the issue with Philly was – Winston Peterson weren't on the same page and what Peterson was doing just wasn't working. Like Philly has a really old offensive line that was really good three years ago. 
they still have the same names, but now those guys who were 29 or 32 or the guys who were 30 or 34, and they're an aged offensive line that can't hold up, and so they need to get the ball out of Carson's hands really quickly. He also has probably the worst receiving core in the NFL. Like him or New England, you could oh, probably no have him or New 100%. England with the worst receiving core in the NFL. Ah, uh, yeah, and so that's true. That's true. You look at that's it, true. and because they won the Super Bowl a few years back, we still think of them as a Super Bowl caliber roster, but they're not. But Carson Wentz before last season was considered no, a top five quarterback in the NFL across the board. Everyone considered Carson Wentz a top five quarterback, and it was he threw for five four thousand yards with no receiver over five hundred yards. He got the most out of the roster. Then they decided to bring the exact right. same roster back and he couldn't maintain it for a second year. And now he should have to complete with Jalen hurts who, if he doesn't go to Oklahoma, doesn't get drafted. This guy would not have been drafted if he stayed yep. at Alabama. Yep. And now you're competing with this guy. It's a joke. So if I'm the Eagles, you have yeah, to sign. There you was, have to keep Carson once. Otherwise, your franchise is destroyed for the next ten years. No, for one hundred. Like that's that's what people don't understand, right? Like, so there was. I read an article that Howie Roseman was, or the front office of the Eagles, the Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, was was really blindsided by the uh, selection of Jalen Hurts in the second round. Like when Howie Roseman did that, it wasn't like an organization agreement. Like throughout the organization. They didn't talk about it. They didn't want to do this. This was something Howie Roseman decided to do. And when I look at everything that transpired this season for the Philadelphia Eagles, if I'm Carson personally, I'm out. Like, I understand everything you said, and I agree with everything you said. If you're Philly, you absolutely cannot let this guy get away. This is a, if we're just talking talent, okay, this is a top three talent in the NFL. Period. End of discussion. Like it's not up for debate. Like you can say what you want to say about Carson Wentz and how bad he was this year or whatever. But again, until you've played the position in the NFL and understand what goes into that, you can't understand. Like it's easy for you to just look at stats because we live in this fantasy age where if guys are not putting up certain numbers, they're no longer good. Like I said, I mean, people were saying Tom was done for the last seven years. At 43, the guy threw for 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns in a new offense. Stop the nonsense. Like, people were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Well, does he deserve to be in the conversation? It's like, of course he does. The guy's unbelievable. Like, last year they were like, oh, well, he only put up those stats because he didn't take any shots downfield. Like, he only his, you know, he only uh, passed the ball – you know, on, on quick slants and, and crossing routes. And like, it was just an underneath passing game. Like he was, he didn't want to throw an interception. So he didn't take any risk. It's like, guys, these guys are literally the best in the world at what they do. They know what they're doing. Like they're not doing it because they're scared or because they don't have the ability. Like that's what you could maybe say about Drew Brees this last season. But other than that, like these guys know what they're doing. And the, and the reality is, is that Carson Wentz did not go from being in 2017, people were saying he's the best quarterback in football. There's his ACL. Comes back the next year, makes the playoffs. Last year, they end up he ends up pretty much playing with the worst team in football, in my opinion, offensively at least. Gets him to the playoffs. And first, like you said, first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards and not have a single receiver over 500. 
And mind you, some of the receivers were literally guys that were like converted quarterbacks, like off practice squads. Like you're talking about guys that are not traditional wide receivers. Okay. And this guy won with them and was successful. You don't forget how to play football. Like you don't just fall off a cliff the very next year and go, I don't know how to play football anymore. So I'm just at this point where it's like, look, if people want to like be foolish on record and say this guy sucks or he can't play or Jalen Hurts should be the starting quarterback, like go do that because you're going to see him either play for Philly, which I think would be stupid at this point. I think the guy needs to go to freaking Indy with that team, with that offensive line, pair him up with Frank Wright again, because to be honest, I think what we saw dust is yeah, Doug Peterson got you. He's going to get the credit as the as the head coach that got you the first Super Bowl in franchise history. But like Doug Peterson, in my opinion, and the Eagles have not been the same since Frank Wright left. You know who's interviewing for the Eagles today? Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think uh, about that? Quick, quick, quick. I mean, honestly, I don't really want McDaniels in New England long term. I, I don't think like he's McDaniels a head coach. He's a prototypical really really good coordinator. Yes. like there's a huge difference between being a coordinator and a head coach and being the ceo of a football team and being able to call offensive plays there's a huge difference like and you know josh McDaniels like he turned down was, the indie job with andrew he luck was one of the that that told me a lot you know what i mean no 100 percent. that was the best opening in the last five years of football and now, because Luck's not there, you know, it's looked at differently. But, you know, if you go there and Luck stays, you're a dynasty for the next 10 years. I know we're getting kind of close on time, but where does this Deshaun Watson play football next year? Is it Houston? Is it Miami? Now we're hearing a lot that it could be the Jets because they have Darnold, who they can possibly trade for a first or a second. They have two first-round draft picks, I think three seconds. It seems like he wants out of Houston pretty bad uh, to not even return owners, general managers calls. Like he's out. Yeah, he's out. Yeah. Like the funny thing is, he's the complete opposite of Carson Wentz. And I understand that you know Houston hasn't really handled handled player personnel that well. Supposedly, uh, he was going to be involved in like general manager and coaching decisions. He wasn't. Who cares? You're a player. Exactly. But. You were totally fine being a Houston Texan last year with Bill O'Brien, who everyone knew was doing a horrible job when they offered you a fat extension. So you were fine until yeah, you got no, your of course. money. Now you got your money, and apparently you refused to play for the Houston Texans. I feel like it's a situation almost like the Harden one where they're going to probably shop him. I just don't know where. Like, where do you think makes the both sense? Who do you think can give Houston yeah. the most? Well, I mean – or which package would you like? Yeah, I mean, well, first and foremost, it's like going back to what you mentioned. These athletes these days, like I used to be the biggest advocate. Like when people would be like, oh, they're spoiled. Like they're overpaid. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like they've literally worked their entire lives on their craft. And like they do something that very few people have the even ability to do. And then the discipline to do. I've always backed like athletes getting paid a lot of money because there's very few people on the earth that literally can do what they do. But what's starting to really piss me off, to be honest, is that these guys think they're above everything else. So they think they're above an organization. They think they're above a team. They think they're above a coach. Like, I'm going to pout when I don't get my way. Like, in any other organization, in any other industry, if the CEO wants to make a decision, whether he told you 
that you're going to have a say in, hey, who should we hire as the COO? Who should we hire as the chief marketing officer? And they don't do that and they hire somebody that you don't want them to hire. Like tough, you know what? Because at the end of the day, they own the team. You do not own the team. So the reality is, is that, yeah, is it is it unwise to tell a player that, your franchise player that, and then not follow up with it? 100%. That's a stupid move. That's bad leadership. That's why the Texans are bad from an organizational standpoint. But they still have the right to do that. This whole notion that, oh, well, you didn't interview the guy I wanted you to interview, or you're not doing more in the community, or whatever the case is, like that's not their job. Their job is to put a product on the field that is successful. And I agree. They've done a bad job of that the last couple of off-seasons. Like, Literally trading a first-round pick for Laramie Tunsil. And then the, you, you actually said this yesterday, which is hilarious. They could have gotten the guy from Oregon because if they hadn't traded away that pick, they would have had the third pick and probably would have had the chance to draft it. And it's like you trade away DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. It's like, so I get it. I get the frustration. But at the end of the day, like like you mentioned, Dust. Then don't resign yes, a week four. you got your – Like if you don't want to be there, don't resign. So and then you can go anywhere. Like you could go to the so Rams. You could go anywhere. I, I've 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 made the shift where I'm all coach. Like, <laughs> I support head. I'm not I'm not pro player. I'm not because I think what coaches have to go through it's so much babysitting. You're babysitting people that make forty million. Like Steve Nash. Like I'm so pro like what coach. Steve Nash is coach doing. Gets, you know? Coaches get no credit. Yeah, like especially in the NFL, coaches get no credit for anything. It's all right. player. It's right. all player. You know, and like it's even like, Andy Reid, there's like people are still, players. it's like, oh no, it's Patrick Mahomes. Oh no, this guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like Patrick Mahomes has been in the league for three years. Andy Reid's been doing this for 20 plus years. So like, this is an interesting, like, I, I mean, I think the Brady situation is the one caveat where like, I think Bruce Aarons is horrible. But, like, no, I'm not like, I'm not knocking Aaron Rodgers at all, at all. But Matt LaFleur took them to two back-to-back NFC championship games. They've been 13-3. and They had McCarthy. They made one. Like, that's something. Right. Like, no one wants to give Matt LaFleur any credit. And I get you have Aaron Rodgers. Back-to-back NFC championships? You change a coach, you get – Like, that's something about coaching, right? But nobody will give LaFleur any credit because you have Aaron Rodgers. Like, the fact that Sean McVay took that – the fact that Sean McVay took Jared Goff to a playoff (laughs) To a Super Bowl. Like – I can't get yeah, over it. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't give coaches any credit. And then as soon as a player gets traded, it's like, oh, how dare you trade a player? What does that do to his family? Right. Like, right. But but when he wants to leave it, he should be able to do whatever he wants. I don't know. He, he does no. When you sign a contract for a hundred and fifty million dollars, no, you don't get to do whatever you want. You don't. Because that team has made a unbelievable investment in you. You don't just get to go a year later, eh, you're not listening to what I'm saying and what I want like a little child. And so I'm going to leave. I'm going to run. I'm going to run away from conflict. I'm going to run away from adversity. Like I was such a huge fan of Deshaun Watson prior to this whole debacle because I feel like he's handled it so poorly. And look, I know we're just a small podcast, but like nobody in the sports world has the balls to like call these players out. Like everybody's defending the players and everything that they do. Like, no, this is poor leadership. We're letting these guys get away with just 
acting the however they want to act and getting whatever they want to get. And that's just not how the world works. Like you don't just get to demand something and receive it. That's like, not how the world works. Yeah, no, it's just like, I was, I'll say this to answer your question. I don't know where he's going to go, but I can tell you this. He will not be a Houston Texan next year because again, that's the, that's the era of sports we're in. It's like, these guys have so much power, every athlete, right? Well, at least the superstars in every sport, they have so much power. They can do whatever they want. They can force situations. And that's what you're seeing here in Houston. So I don't know, man, he's, he's not going to be a Texan, but it's just going to come down to, I mean, Houston's already proven that they do a horrible job of getting stuff in return. So I wouldn't be surprised if they give Deshaun and Watson away for like a sixth. Yeah, it's. I think the craziest thing is like in real life, if you're as upset as Deshaun Watson, you end your contract and go somewhere else, but you don't get to keep 150 million. Like that's the crazy thing is he gets to pout, he gets to throw a fit, and then he still gets to keep all of his money, and the franchise is in a worse situation. But if I'm Miami, with all of that said, I go get Deshaun Watson because if you can get Deshaun Watson in. In that team, and I love that. Yeah, he's a he's a top five quarterback. He's a top five quarterback. Is like in the NFL right now. As much as I knock him, if I'm New England, I go get him. If I'm the Rams, I go get him. If I'm the Niners, I go get him. He's like you get Deshaun Watson on on any of these teams, and you're a championship caliber team because, with the exception of this year, he's been one of the few reasons to really keep them relevant. So it's uh. If this offseason in the NFL is going to be really crazy. There's so many marquee guys. There's going to be so much player movement with Chris Godwin, TikTok, Juju Schuster, um, big quarterback draft. Like, I know what I think of <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence, but after that, big, there's so many big, questions big, big. With, with all the guys there. So it's going to be a really, really fun offseason. But before we get to that, we're going to pick our NFC and AFC championship picks. Um, I'm going to take the, uh, the bucks, I think as we've taken all year and in the AFC is Mahomes. He's playing on Sunday, right? Uh, Hopefully. I, I think I'm going to take the Chiefs. So. I, 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 I think I will, I'm taking the Chiefs money. just because I want to see Brady, uh, Brady beat Mahomes. And that would be phenomenal. Cause that, you know, the AFC championship a couple of years ago where you, where your beloved New England Patriots beat them was a great game. And, um, but obviously there was no opportunity because they're both in the same conference to play in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean I'm 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 with you. I got Bucks Chiefs. I think I think the I think both games are gonna be phenomenal. I really do. Uh, Green Bay's offense has been amazing all year. And Tampa's defense, I mean, they they played really well yesterday against New Orleans. They're honestly the biggest concern for me. I just don't know what Tampa defense I'm gonna get. But um I think they're gonna both be phenomenal games. Buffalo, I mean <laughs> Offensively been great. Defensively, they haven't been as good as as we would have come to know them to be. Um, but it, it should both games should be really fun. So I'm really excited for these matchups. Uh, but you know, like I said, we both picked preseason. We picked um, Tampa and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So we're, I'm going to stick with that. So which would be awesome because I mean I don't I don't know if really anybody. I mean there are people saying the Bucks aren't going to make the playoffs, which is just you know. Anyway, we're not going to say stuff just to make headlines because we're, we don't. The blasphemy for Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> any, any other athlete, uh, all you want for them to do is win. Like, we knock LeBron James for his right, final right, losses, yeah, right? Yeah, um, it, but he goes to the Lakers, and now every superstar goes to the East when they didn't want to go for 20 years, right? You have Durant, you have Kyrie, you have James Harden. Uh, yeah, Everyone's sure. going East now because um, LeBron went West. And then you have Brady. Um, 
where apparently six rings means nothing. But uh, it's going to be a, a fun weekend in sports this Sunday. That's going to wrap things up for episode 64 in the first of season two. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. We just wanted to wanted to do something different. So um, let us know what you think and uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter at DNC Podcast. See you guys soon on Friday. Have a great week.